Hey guys, GBC Podcast number 70. I'm Courtney Wise. I'm Shane Blankenship. It's been a while. Yeah, um, summer break. Yes, summer break. But we have um, this cool one coming up. All right, I have some questions about Paul. You okay. know, I, I like to read anything that Paul's written. Yes. And I feel like that's such a like newbie cop-out. Like, oh, I'm just going to start with the most famous person besides <laughs> Jesus. But, you know, I guess I just feel like he's a likable guy. So I was reading, and I found myself in 1 Corinthians, and stumbled upon where he says, imitate me, imitate my Mm -hmm. my, my life in Christ. And I thought, well, that is a bold statement. Like, just be like me. Yeah. Whatever you do. It's a well. So first of all, to be able to start reading Paul or loving to read Paul, I mean, hats off to you because I feel like most people don't feel that way. Really? Yeah, because I mean, there's so many more. There's so many other, I guess, um, contributors of the Bible that are easier to read. John is much easier to, to read than Paul. Peter is much easier I'm to read than Paul. I'm happy to hear Paul. you say this. Um, so you know, leaning into Paul, like some people will, depending on where you start, right? Um, depending on which which book you start in or what you're looking into, um, Paul is. Um, I mean, he's a theologian. Um, he's very well educated. His language, and that's that's one of the ways that uh, biblical scholars have been able to identify and and, and affirm. His writings. Um, that's why you know there there is some um, dispute when it comes to the book of Hebrews. Who wrote it? Because uh, people for a long time was like, well, Paul wrote Hebrews, and they're like, no, this doesn't follow Paul's writing. Um, and so now you know the the, um, the popular opinion is no, Paul did not write it, Hebrews. We don't know who wrote um, Hebrews. Maybe Apollos, because uh, he's another um, you know big big figure at that time. Um, some some sort of um, perceived rivalry between Paul and Apollos that, that the Bible talks about um, and Paul addresses that there's really no rivalry but people have created that you know mm-hmm. uh, we like Apollos no we like Paul um, but anyways yeah so so he has a very distinct writing style he's certainly an educated man um, knows what he's doing and knows his way around the pen and so some of his writing is like it's a little it's sometimes it's harder to follow so anyways all that to say it's kind of cool that you I, that is cool that you're drawn to Paul and you're like mm, I like I like his style and I like reading what he what he's he's written because uh, well, he can certainly get into some stuff. Do you want to know why though? Is that I feel like it's funny because I guys I had texted Shane. I'm like, why would Paul say like imitate me? Don't you think that's a little? I don't know if I use the word conceited, but that's mm-hmm. that's what we'll say. And and Shane was busy because he's a busy <laughs> dude, and so it took him a few minutes to get back with me. And then I ended up texting him Find back, and answer. I was like, oh, I found my answer. And so I think that's what it is. Is like. If you just start somewhere and you do have a question, I feel like he's really good at leaving little breadcrumbs. And then you're always like, oh, that's what he meant. Yeah, Even yeah. though it might be in a different chapter. So tell him what you found, what, what the well, answer to your I own went, question. And I don't know how I even went from... First Corinthians, like straight to <laughs> Philippians, like I like I knew what I was doing. However, I do read a lot of Paul, so sure. so maybe in the back of my mind, like I knew. But um, in Philippians four eight, which is a super popular scripture, uh-huh. it's the whatever is noble, praiseworthy, right? Tr- I probably yeah, have lovely. it. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that scripture, so I was like, oh, we're supposed to focus on those things. That's why he's saying, imitate me. And then I went even further, which it's not in my notes, because, um, you know, my very favorite scripture of all time, my second favorite, is Galatians 5.22. Yeah. And the heading in my Bible um, in Galatians 5.22 said, like, life in the spirit. Yep. And so that's when I t- I was like I just answered my own question because it's, if you if he says imitate me this is what life in the spirit looks like mm. and I thought well there you go yeah that's right I mean and and that's what Paul's speaking of like when he talks about you know follow me it's it's um, 
the way I like to think of it anyways is the difference between arrogance and confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not arrogant. He's not, um, he's not look to me or look up to me, bow down to me. There's that, you know, Paul doesn't, he doesn't live with that kind of, of, of mentality, if you will. It's, it's really not Paul's character um, at all. Um, and, and matter of fact, in, in some of Paul's writings, Paul's like, you know, all that I've, all that I have, all that I've accomplished, I consider it dumb. Um, and he's also <laughs> says, rags. I'm the biggest sinner. Absolutely. Yeah, he I can forget recognize where he said it. it. Yeah, he, maybe, you know, you may think I'm the most educated and maybe it's true. I'm the worst. Um, but I'm the worst sinner. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, he he has a great outlook and a great understanding, I guess, of himself, of who he is and who he's not um, and who he is only because of Jesus. And so I think that with Paul, you know, Paul's able to speak with such confidence because he's a changed man. Yeah. He knows that he is not who he once was. He speaks to this all the time, right? That's part of what we're called to in our understanding throughout the Bible. Like you are a new creation. The old is gone. Take off the old self. Put on the new self. He's using this language. Well, that's Paul's reality. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not just writing something. He, he's been completely changed by Jesus. Um, in a way that he would have never expected, never imagined in his lifetime before that change happened. And so he's a new person. So I think that Paul can confidently say, man, you want to know what it looks like, look at me. And he can say that from a place of humility. um, Because it's not like he's doing it himself. That's right, yeah. He's like, like, I didn't work for this. That's right. He didn't earn it. He didn't attain it. Um, God's done this in him. Um, Hey, you want to know what it looks like? Imitate me. He's like bewildered almost. <laughs> like, look, like, can you believe God did this? Like, can, you know, like that, like more just humble, I For guess. For sure. But it did throw me, throw me when I first read it because how many times have we talked about him saying, I'm the biggest sinner? And it, did, it just didn't line up with what I felt like he normally would say. But yeah. then, of course, once I answered my own question, I was like, no, no, I, I, I totally, I get that. I love it. Um, and being confident in Christ, like I, I think, I think it's hard for us to understand if we. I mean, Paul is like, he had a a for real situation. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. right? You know more about this than I do. But he's like killing people that were following that way of life, right? Yeah, that's right. And then all of a sudden, he has this aha moment where he gets blinded, and so he really did have like a physical, like it was like a turnabout for him. Uh-huh. I mean, for some of us, it really wasn't like that. No, you know? it wasn't. And yeah, absolutely. So his confidence in Christ was like this, mm-hmm. and ours might be like going up a hill. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, also though, um, you know, to the, the, the do it in a snap, you know, like his confidence was like that. I think there's some, there is some truth to that, but also, because um, there, there is an immediate change. Like you see it happening in Acts. But then there's a passage of time, you know, uh, between that happening and Paul coming on the scene and Paul starting to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God's certainly doing a work in Paul and changing Paul, you know, and probably part of the natural process where he's just processing what, what has just happened. happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and his, he is turning into this new creature in Christ and this new person in, in Christ. And so I think that you see that. So with all that, with that reflection of where he once was and where he is now, you know, Paul knows who he is. Paul knows himself. And to come back to that, Paul knows who he was without Christ. He knows who he is with Christ. He has seen the, the change in his life. I mean, maybe it's even hard for us to imagine because we've kind of grown up in the Bible Belt. We've grown up around it. Yeah. Um, we haven't lived in that kind of a stream. I mean, Paul's a terrorist. 
Paul's Paul Paul when was you a put le- it like you that. know like Paul, when Paul was Saul Saul was a terrorist he was a leader of terrorists he was he was your Osama bin Laden if I you know just to use the most popular one out there of the day right um, so he's not necessarily going out there and doing the executions by his hand he's overseeing the executions he's carrying out the orders right he's sending people out round these people up bring them to me put them to death um, I'll oversee you know oversee the execution so like. You know, imagine, imagine, you know, whoever the, the most popular terrorist is that's left out there, um, you know, is blinded by the light of Jesus and their life has changed 100%. Like they it's like got, a miracle. Absolutely. It is totally miraculous what has happened to Paul. Um, and so, you, you know, I think you do have those extremes. So he does know who he is. And I think for us, like we struggle with this idea of look at me. You know, we struggle with this concept of, oh, you want to follow Jesus? Um, well, look at, follow me. Watch me. Watch what I do. Listen to what I say. Be like me. Like, most of us would shy totally away from that. Like, we, we didn't even say something like that. Shane, especially when it comes to Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but I feel very unworthy. Yeah. And I know grace and mercy. I know. I know. But I still feel very unworthy. Like, at CrossFit, I might say, just watch what I do. Do what I do. If I'm yeah. going to teach you how to do a pull-up, just do what I do. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm pretty confident that I, I could teach you how to do that mm-hmm. if you didn't know how to do it. But if walking with Jesus, I'm like, look, I, I don't know. Yeah. And I think there's a combination of woundedness that hasn't been healed. That's involved in, in that, you know, in, in all of us where, um, you know, I'm, I'm not worthy. That's, that's what I mean by the, the woundedness. Like, you know, I know the sin in my life or I know some of the things that I've done and we're still trying to get over it. We're still trying to overcome it. We're still trying to mentally and emotionally move past it. And so that's part of our journey right now. Like, don't look at me. I know yeah, what I've done. I'm the worst. Um, yeah. So we're, we're hanging on to that aspect of it. So I think there's, you know, part of that is certainly in, in going in play. Um you know, that's what, don't, don't look at me and don't, don't, don't watch me. Don't follow me. And, and kind of, I wonder if part of it too is part of the scheme of the devil, um, where we do not lack the same confidence in Christ, um, of what it looks like to follow him. And we've been convinced here's, here's a lie. We've been convinced that we have to be perfect. And if we're not perfect, don't watch me, mm. but we're not. And we never will be perfect. Um, but that's not the point anyway. We are being made perfect. That's what Paul says, actually. We are being made perfect. Um, it's a process, and it won't come to completion until we are standing with Jesus. Um, and we are, we are with him in the kingdom, like when he restores us. And so, we, so, so anyways, the, the falling short of perfection becomes an excuse. That's where I think the enemy is involved in it. And so we don't have this kind of confidence. We don't live with that kind of confidence. We live more down on ourselves and encouraged. Um, and we can, we can be confident in our CrossFit or we can be confident in, um, you know, watch me, you know, make barbecue, um, do what I do. Uh, we can be confident in some tasks or some, mm-hmm. some activities to say, but we don't take the same logic and apply it to Jesus because you're not perfect at CrossFit, although you're, you're really good. You're better than me at CrossFit, but you're not perfect at mm-hmm. it. Um, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm better than a lot of folk. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not perfect at barbecue. There's so many people that are better at barbecue than I am, <laughs> but I bet I'm better than a lot of people, you know? Yeah. But isn't it funny how we can be okay with not being perfect at CrossFit or barbecue? Because yeah. it's like it's not really expected. You know, it's right. a hard thing and it's a physical thing with CrossFit and 41 years old, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yours, the barbecue, I don't know what your problem is. Um, <laughs> but it's like, oh, I mean, it's okay. Like, 
I, I do it this way and it's fine for me. But yeah. I like I can't apply that same mentality to like, I mean, I'm just not perfect, but I'm trying, you know, kind of thing. So I think that's interesting. Well, something else that Paul, when I was texting with you, um, the which I didn't write this down, the scripture that's that's basically he says that we need to be united, like one in mind and one in mm-hmm. spirit. And mm-hmm. we did a Bible study on it with Hannah and I'm is it Philippians? It's like um the confidence in being like if you have oh gosh anyways it's the scripture that it's like you need to be confident in having one mind one spirit i kind of apply it to marriages a lot like we need to be on the same page Uh we need to be putting one another before each other and i was like well i mean if that's where paul's coming from then i guess i can't see how he can say hey just be just be like this Mm -hmm. like like put others before yourself have one mind be united in your thought and in your heart and i thought okay maybe i can go about it like that yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I think when you separate it from the idea of trying to be perfect and being and perfectly doing everything, then it becomes more possible. Yeah. Um, and I like, and I, I'm not just using a play on words there, um, but I think that is the reality because Paul struggles, and you see a struggle. Yeah. You know, he writes about his struggle, uh, the thorn in his flesh that he's pleading that God would take it from me. And so there's a struggle there. There's a, a struggle with what's, what he's dealing with and what he's having to live with. Um, and that was, you know, the famous passage, uh, passage of the, no, I'm going to show you that my grace is sufficient for you. You don't, you don't, I don't have to take this. Um, he gets into it with Peter. Um, he, um, he totally walks away from John Mark. Um, you know, John Mark writes the gospel of Mark and probably one of the, the reasons that we have the gospel of Mark today is because of Barnabas. Um, and, uh, John Mark was, was a little fearful of a journey that they were about to go on. And Paul basically went off on John Mark and said, you know, then, then go, I'm going. Um, and Barnabas, the son of encouragement, um, you know, takes John Mark under his wing and Barnabas and John Mark go one way. Paul goes another way. Mm -hmm. The gospel goes out to even more locations as a result of this. Right. And then somewhere along the lines, Paul makes things right. He reconciles. Uh, he the, he restores a relationship, and we don't know that because he he wrote down the account. Oh, we got together, and this is what we did. We just know that because later in some of his later writings, John Mark is with him. They're together, and it's yeah. fine. John yeah. Mark is there, caring for his needs. So there was there was reconciliation that that happened. But I'm just pointing out those couple of examples to say. Now, Paul wasn't perfect. Right, right, right. And we know that he no, wasn't because it's been written about. And yet he's the same guy who says, watch me. Mm-hmm. Follow me. Look at what God's done in my life. You want to see what it looks like? This is what it looks like because I'm a changed man. Well, you know what else that Paul said? And I've, I've brought this up before to you. But he said um, that contentment was something that was so hard for him to find that he considered it a secret or a mystery. Uh, yeah. And so that, I mean, like if we really look at that scripture, you're like, well, I mean, he struggled. Yeah, that's like right. he's like, okay, I'm not happy about this, but okay. <laughs> yeah, he had to go through the struggle to learn the secret of being content. Yeah. That I can do all things in Christ who, yeah. who strengthens me. And he's like, I mean, I, I, I would imagine that something that you consider a secret that you came about it. Like, <laughs> I'm so good at pull-ups. Yeah. I don't even know how I got it. You know, right. like th- there had to be some struggle and some, some failing Absolutely. before like before there was like succeeding. And so that, that, that scripture always does make me feel like he's, he wasn't perfect. Although I know he wasn't perfect, but I, I do like that one. I'm like, okay, even Paul struggled. Yeah. Like, I, well, I've learned the secret to bar muscle ups. Um, and, um, you know, if I spend, a, and I haven't done a bar muscle up in probably close to a year now. So it's been a long, so I would have to go back to my secret to get them back. Yeah. And the secret is a platform. Uh-huh. Um, and then you just keep lowering the platform and your body builds up that, that muscle memory and that strength to be able to, 
eventually pull it off without having to use any kind of platform. But if you start with a high enough platform, you can go through the movement and get yeah. the movement down and keep lowering it down until there is no platform and then you can just do the movement. But then before you figured out your secret, yeah. you were just doing it from jumping on the bar and trying to figure it out. And trying you're to like, figure this out how to flip up over. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I got it. And most people would be like, yeah, that's a stupid uh, method. There's a better method. And that's fine. That's my secret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I learned the secret of, of it or whatever. I learned how to, how to get here and how to do this. Well, I just, I, I guess I appreciate it so much. Again, you know, I love Paul. I love, mm-hmm. I love the way he writes and I, I love how like honest he is. And I, I think there's something about Paul that people like, right? Yeah. Like he's a prisoner and ends up being able to tell the guards like, Hey, we should do this. Like, I, I feel like he's probably someone that you kind of are like, I, I just like that Paul guy, you yeah. know, yeah. he was a leader when he was killing people. So clearly there was something there about him. Mm-hmm. And then he's opening up all these churches and writing letters. I, I guess I just feel like I, I like his personality or yeah. his characteristics or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess the, the biggest thing that I like about him is that he does show struggle. And that, that's where I feel like many people today, especially with Instagram and like Facebook and stuff, um, anyone that's like promoting the gospel, I don't feel like they show us that they struggle enough. Yeah. I think the realness is just, I just would rather it be like real and raw. Like yeah. I'm going to need to see the highlight like the bloody and like the crying, <laughs> yeah. like the ugly crying in the shower. Like I need to see that because that's real to me. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, and, and I was thinking about your comment that I need to see that. Um, and so many people don't want to. Uh, well, I don't want to see that. Don't show me that side. I'll cry too. I don't, you know? Yeah. Um, Because then you're just like me and I've got nobody to look up to or whatever. Yeah. You you know? Yeah. Um, Like there's two opposite ends of the spectrum and I use, I know this is not the same, but it's um, similar as far as um, the, the, the train of thought goes Um, in college. Uh, me and a buddy of mine, our ROTC buddy, we used, um, we had gone to jump school, to airborne school that summer. So we had, you know, we got paid extra money, you know, got paid good to, for, for a few weeks, for college students, you know, for being on orders for a few weeks. And so um, we saved up a little bit of our money. And on fall break, we went to Hollywood. Uh, we were both JAG fans. And we we're like, let's go see if we can, let's see if we can, um, you know, meet somebody, talk to somebody and watch a filming of Jag, and which we did. Um, and so, um, after a whole day of talking to people and trying and asking, um, we finally asked the right person who's like, let me see what I can do. And then comes back and he's like, how's a couple hours tonight at whatever. So we go to the, the filming studio and we stay longer than a couple hours. We stay, um, most of the night, um, get to have dinner with these, um, you know, heroes in our mind, David James Elliott, who was the, the lead actor. And then, um, Catherine Bell, who's the lead actress so cool. on, on Jag. And, you know, when, cause when we were getting ready to leave, she's like, Hey, what are you guys doing for dinner? And we're like, hanging out uh, with you. <laughs> well, after the time I was like, nah, maybe go through Carl Jr's or something like the drive. Yeah. She's like, why don't you stay? Have dinner with us. Um, so it was a really cool experience, but I have to say, and I've, I've said this in a, in a message before at some point, Jag was never the same. Yeah. The, all the magic was gone. The magic was gone. I mm-hmm. saw how they did it. It mm-hmm. was like, oh, dang, it's not a real place in Washington, D.C. Um, the people look exactly how they do on TV, which is just blew me away. It's like, mm-hmm. man, you look just like you do on TV. Um, you look just like me. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's not a real room that they're in. You know, it's a set, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it lost a little bit of the magic once I knew the secret or once I saw what it really was, if that makes sense. So I think you see the realness of, of people in it and then... Um, Sometimes I, I feel like it's helpful if you're coming out with the right heart. And sometimes it's like, well, someone is just looking for someone to look up to or being inspired by. And it's like, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me. Yeah. Um, you know, I want you to, we hold people to a higher standard. Yeah. And we do it subconsciously. 
that's uh, that's really interesting. I don't think I've ever thought about you know the 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 magic part i'm using air quotes because i don't know what else to use um but i'm just someone that needs real yeah so i don't really care about the magic i'm just i need you i need i'm gonna need you to just tell me how hard this is gonna be and then i'll just figure my way around it and i think that's what paul does yeah and well and so um and i may just obviously see it as a different uh from a different perspective i mean we're gonna have different perspectives anyways we're different people but as a preacher um because as a preacher as a pastor we are held to a higher standard. Yeah. Let someone watch you fall. Let someone watch you fall short of whatever standard they even have in their mind for you. And all of a sudden, I can't listen to you anymore. I can't look at you anymore. I can't. Uh, what you're going to tell me how to live my yes. life? Yes. That happens, right? All because the they time. had something in their. They had they they had you up, and now they saw the magic. They saw all the real. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're, I mean, you're just like me. Yeah. Um, and the reality is, I was just like you all along. I've just been called. Yeah. To preach. <laughs> All human. Well, isn't there a pastor, and maybe Andy Stanley, but I'm not really sure, that says, just hang around me long enough and I'll disappoint you? Yeah, probably is. Um, I, I don't know where I read it or where I heard it, but I thought, I, sh- I should just shake people's hand and be like, my name's Courtney Wise. Yeah. Just hang around me long enough and I'll disappoint you. Yeah. Because isn't that the truth? Yeah, absolutely. And then people say that and they kind of laugh. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And then they're like, but really. <laughs> but yeah, right. <laughs> but really, I'm but, still going to hold you to this really high standard. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just let yourself slip. Up. Yeah. Um, well, I the other day, um, I, I'm constantly telling that to my kids. I'm like, listen, like we're all human. We yeah. are all like super ugly on the inside. It like it's okay. That whatever mistake was made, I can't remember what it was. But then, of course, I made a mistake, and it was something Shane. It was something so dumb. Like maybe I spilled my water. Yeah. Actually, I think that's what it was. I yeah. spilled my water, and it went all over the carpet. And I was like, Oh my gosh, we have to go to towel. And Harper goes, It's okay, mommy. We all make mistakes. We're really ugly on the inside. <laughs> it's like, Okay, Harper. Thanks a lot. But I do. I tell my kids that all the time. I'm like, No, don't you don't you ever go around thinking that that people are better or they've got it all figured out because the truth is we're all the same. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that is not, it should not be an excuse to not be confident. No. It should not be an excuse to not be confident in Christ. And so I think, but you have, you pair that confidence with humility and that's what keeps you be, from becoming arrogant, right? Um, those two things paired together. And this Sunday, um, we're, we're doing one service, 930 um, uh, at 930. So we're not doing an 830 and a 1030. And we're combining this this idea of, uh, of a worship night with our fifth Sunday with a kid's sermon yes, or yes, a part yes. of it. We love um, it. So I'm just doing a sermonette, which is what I would do on a worship night. So which is your a, favorite. A mini sermon. Um, but for me this week, I've had so much fun um, putting it together. I've spent just as much time on this little you know, 10 minute message, if you will, um, as I do a full length message That's on any crazy. given Sunday, uh, but I've had so much fun and I was drawn to this text. Um, I, w- I want to share it with you, but I, I was drawn to this text maybe during the fire in the sky message as I was getting, um, as I was getting ready for fire in the sky and the way I got here and you're going to appreciate this, Courtney. Um, I was chasing a word. Oh yeah. So I found a word and I was like, all right, where are some other places that this word occurs? Yes. Um, in That's the Bible, my favorite. you know, in you're the, on the, the hunt. <laughs> right. And so, I, and I came across this passage, and I was like, Man, that's, that's freaking awesome. That's so a I good word. cut and paste the passage and put it in my notes. I was like, I'll come back to it at some point. This is can't preach this right now. It's not my assignment, but I'll come back to it at some point. Maybe, maybe there's another opportunity. But anyways, so uh, in English, the word is the word enough. Enough. Okay. And it was around that concept of um, 
you know, God's enough, or he gives us enough, or he supplies us with enough. So that's so I came across this word being used in a little bit different way. Mm. And you see the concept still there. But So listen to this. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 2. A little bit of context real quick. Um, Moses is recounting. Uh, we, we've talked about on the podcast before, consider your ways. Oh, yeah. Consider, consider all the ways that God has moved God's will. So that's what Moses is doing here in Deuteronomy chapter 2. He's considering the last 40 years. Um, he's considering the way God has moved and God's worked and how they got to where they were mm-hmm. um, and how they got to where they are right now. So he's considering those ways. And so this is, this is kind of cool. So he's picking up following a failure on the Hebrew part. So if you remember, they came out of the desert. And God brought them basically to the precipice of the promised land, mm-hmm. right? He's, they're right on the edge of it. And they spy out Jericho, remember? Mm-hmm. So they see. So Jericho is on the other side of the Jordan River. They're right there on the edge of the promised land. And Joshua and Caleb are the only two that come back going, all right, God's with us. Let's go. Yeah. Everybody else is like, no, we can't, can't do this. Yeah. Um, and so they cower back. Well, um, God disciplines them. <laughs> as a result of their lack of faith mm-hmm. um, and their lack of confidence. I mean, he's just brought them out of slavery, out of Egypt. Know. You know, they're you know, so human. not long I into know. it, you know. I would have done the same. You know, maybe maybe you know, a few weeks into it, a few months into the journey, you know, they're, they're not far out. Um, and then they're cowering it because of what they see. Right. Um, and so... Again, God begins that process of discipline on them, and then they kind of have a change. All right, well, well, hold on. All right, we change our mind. We'll fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go to fight, and they are defeated. And that, that marks the beginning of the fighting men of Israel, uh, the Hebrew people at this point. They're not really, you know, I guess they are technically Israel. But anyways, that all their fighting men are going to die over the next 40 years, and God's going to bring them to death. Like mm-hmm. some, They're not going to just die of natural causes over 40 years. Like They're going to get in battles where God's hand is not with them because of their own disobedience, and they're going to die until God... Um, gets rid of that generation, but essentially, like this generation's gonna have to die to, to for the new generation to be able to rise up and and have the opportunity. So, anyways, so um, so they they do the attack, they fail at their attack, and now um, now they begin the wandering. So, listen, Deuteronomy chapter two. Uh, then, so after the fail, uh, then um, we turn back. We turn back. And we set out toward the desert along the route of the Red Sea. Because they've come all the way up to the edge of the promised land from Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. Now they're going back towards the Red Sea. Turn back. Um, as the Lord had directed me, for a long time we made our way around the hill country of Sierra, which is a point that stood out to me. We made our way. We made our way. And not his way. We made, we made our way around. Mm. And, and I know this is, this is about them and about their way because watch. Um, anytime you hear the same phrase, the same language occur over and over again, there's significance to it. So we, for a long time, Moses writes, we made our way around the hill country of Sierra. Then the Lord said to me, you have made your way around this hill country long enough. Mm. So that's, where the, that's how I got to this, the, the word enough. Mm-hmm. You've made your way long enough. You've been doing it your way long enough. You've been getting around long enough. You, you've been making it, but it's long enough. We're done with this. Mm-hmm. You've been making your way around this hill country, hill country, ups and downs. You've got peaks and valleys, the good times, the low times. Hill country long enough. Now turn north. Oh, well, yeah. You, yeah. Turn north. I feel like you now had turn. a... Yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to shift. Now turn. Um, now turn. Yes. Been doing it your way long enough. Now turn. 
turn north. Mm -hmm. So for them, we got physical direction here, but I think there's all kinds of spiritual direction. So cool. All right, now turn north. Give the people these orders. This is where I think the confidence and the humility comes into play, right here. Okay. Now give the people these orders. You are about to pass through. I love the language. I'm leaning into that right there on Sunday, but I might want to give it to you now, so that way you've got to come, Teaser. come on Sunday. You're about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the descendants of Esau. Because all these people who are here are sons of who? Jacob. Jacob and Esau, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, Isaac's sons. Mm -hmm. and, and God made a promise to Esau when Jacob stole the birthright. He said, I'll make you into a great nation too. Yes. And I will give them. And so God is establishing Esau, the people of Esau. So he says, so God says, you're about to pass through the territory of your brothers. Right. These people are your kin. Yeah. Same grandfather. <laughs> if you will, um, your brothers, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. They will be afraid of you. God's going to make them afraid. But be very careful. Do not provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land, not even enough to put your foot on. Oh, wow. I have given Esau the hill country of Seir as his own. You are to pay them in silver for the food you eat and the water you drink. And that's not all the passage that I'm reading on Sunday, but that's the part I wanted to share where I think about the whole confidence and humility. is like, you're about to pass through their territory. This is not your territory. Mm. So don't try to take it. And I'm going to make them afraid of you. But as you pass through, he says, be very careful. Don't provoke them to war. If you go to war with these people, you will lose. Yeah. Now, this is a lesson they've had to learn over the past 40 years. You go to war with people without God's hand, if it's not a war that he's called you to, if it's not a battle that he's going to fight with you, you're not going to win the battle. Mm. So he's like, I've, this is not your land. So when you start looking around and thinking, oh, this is a nice place. We could just settle right here. Don't. Just fight it out. For I'm not giving it to you. Okay. This ain't yours. You're passing through. I give this to them. You're going through. So th there's this warning, right? Because I don't want you to get arrogant. I'm going to make them afraid of you. So have confident, be confident, but be humble. Don't provoke them to war. If you allow this confidence to rise up in you and turn to arrogance and you provoke them to war, it's going to cost you. Mm. So, you've, you, so you're confident. You're gonna, I'm going to bring you through these people, these brothers of yours. Um, I'm going to bring you through their land um, so you can have confidence in that, but you're going to have to maintain humility as you walk through it so that you are careful not to decide, hey, oh, you're all afraid of me? Well, I'm about that. to take your stuff. No, you're not going to take their stuff. God says, I'm not giving it to you. I won't even give you enough uh, enough ground to put your foot on. Not one ounce of this. And as a matter of fact, humble pie. Right? And, and then I'll just love the, the, the command at the end. As a matter of fact, if you eat any of their food or if you drink any of their water, you're going to pay them for it in silver. Yeah. Where did they get the silver from? Egypt. Yeah, of course they did. <laughs> Traveling with silver and gold because they yeah. got it from Egypt. They handed it to them on their way out. No, I mean, that's that's so good. And and uh, the humility piece is is huge, you mm -hmm. know, just to always be like, it's not it's not me, it's God. You know what I mean? Paul says yeah, yeah. that a million times. He's like, I, it's God did this to me. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus, it's because of Jesus. So I, I think that's really that's really cool. I'm excited about your mini sermonette. Mini sermon? Yes. But yeah, that's the, you know, maybe we went on a tangent there, but I, I feel like, you know, that it is, um, we are called to be confident in Christ. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that part of our calling, we should be confident in Jesus. 
Um, I'm afraid that people shy away from confidence because of fear of arrogance. Yeah, um, or, for sure. Or, you know, fear of, of just, you know, I'm not perfect kind of well, a thing. stumbling, like just looking yeah. like an idiot. Absolutely. Yeah. I, to- totally, yeah. And then I'm a hypocrite. I'm somebody I'm not or whatever, you know, um, that's happened in the past or we've heard happened to somebody else. And so there's that fear. And, um, but it shouldn't be an excuse. And um, the protection, I think, is the humility. And, and there's so many promises around humility throughout the scripture where even Jesus says, humble yourself. Yeah. And I'll lift you up. I didn't come to serve, but to be, or wait, I didn't come to be served, but to but serve. To serve, I yeah. Tell my kids God like opposes the, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Yeah. Um, and the humility coupled with confidence, man, now you've got someone who's following Jesus, um, and you've got someone that you can look at and go, all right, I can learn something from this guy. I can learn something from this, this mm-hmm. guy. Um, you know, this, this person belongs to God. They're not perfect, but um, they're confident, and yet there's humility about them. Yeah. Good enough. Yeah. There's your word enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Shane. This was number 70. We hope to squeeze um, another one or two in. Yep. So we appreciate you listening. Send it to your friends. All right. Thanks, guys.